Hi, and welcome to Facts and Blog and Podcast. Hi, and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Facts and Blog and Podcast. On episode 36, we were joined by Dan Zimmerman, the managing editor of The Truth About Guns, as well as Sean Maloney, defense attorney with Second Call Defense, a legal resource for firearms owners. As you saw or heard in episode 36, we were tackling the big topic of firearms and the election. The goal was to pick the brains of Dan and Sean to get some insight on what the potential election outcomes could mean for the firearms industry and community. When we recorded, Sean actually arrived a little early, so we decided to record our talk before Dan joined us on the call. As always with Sean, he shared some great insights in that time, including some things that didn't make the final cut for episode 36. And we'd like to share that conversation with you here on this bonus episode. All right. Welcome into episode 36 of the Facts and Blog and Podcast. Uh, today, we have a bit of a roundtable. We're going to be starting with Sean Maloney of Second Call Defense. You saw Sean a couple of months ago on the show talking about the services that Second Call offers for firearms owners. And uh, we will have links to his website and everything in the show notes. So, Sean, thank you for uh, joining us. I really appreciate you having me. And here in a little bit, uh, Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns is going to be joining us as well. So we're going to keep his seat warm as uh, we start getting into this topic. Uh, if you haven't noticed, it's election season. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you've been bombarded by ads or news space or yard signs. And, you know, what I'd really like to do is just kind of take a, a high level overview and go, what does it mean for the firearms community, the industry, just gun owners in general, pending either outcome of the election. You know, it's, this isn't going to be a, um, a platform podcast. You know what I mean? We just kind of want to throw it out there and say, you know, if X happens, here's the reaction. If Y happens, here is the reaction. And, and kind of here, here are some things that, uh, uh, that we're seeing, because as we've noted through the pandemic, uh, there are far more people on both sides and the middle of the aisle who, um, that who are owning guns now. So even that has been a cop topic of conversation. Do we think, you know, gun legislation is going to change in light of, uh, all of these, these new gun owners, but, uh, Sean, from a, a thousand foot view, you know, where, where do you think is a, a good, good place to start this conversation? Well, from that high above everything, I think you can go and you can look at, uh, the Biden campaign, and you can look at the past acts of the Trump uh, administration. Uh, and, it, and it was a long time where we used to say they want them all. Mm -hmm. They want every gun. They don't want us to have anything. They don't want us to have magazines. Uh, they want to raise the age for uh, purchasing firearms. But then all of a sudden, Beto O'Rourke and Biden and Harris, they say, you know what? We want them all. We want every AR-15 you have. We want every quote unquote assault rifle you have. We want to raise the age, uh, the minimum age to buy firearms. And so if you think about every anti-gun piece of legislation in our lifetime, mm -hmm. they will all be back on the table because that's what they want. And now that's the main party platform. Now, there was some time ago in my lifetime, certainly, where uh, firearm ownership in the Second Amendment was nonpartisan. If you're a Democrat or Republican, it didn't matter. Well, that changed, you know, some years ago. And Michael Bloomberg got into things, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in Florida just to win that state based on on firearms. So really... Uh, from a 10,000 or 30,000 foot view, it's 
the most important election that we have. And we seems like we always say that. Right. But think about how important it was that we got Donald Trump in 16, because look at our Supreme Court makeup and we get to get one more. And at least that's a firewall for now. And politically speaking, when the main part of your platform is gun control is socialism. And what does socialism mean? The government will take care of everything. Right. Since the government takes care of everything, you can't take care of yourself. We don't want you to. We don't want you protecting yourself. We don't want you to have those civil liberties. And it, it, so this is very disconcerting what could happen yeah. if the quote unquote wrong side wins. And, you know, we don't have control of the House. We have the Senate. But what if we get a presidency and lose the Senate? Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot of different things that that can occur that we all have to be concerned with on top of the uh, the ballot referendums and initiatives that are being spread everywhere. I don't know if you're aware of it, but in the state of Ohio, for example, Bloomberg has been paying hundreds of millions of dollars over the years to get senators. They had enough before, and now they're collecting signatures now for universal background checks as a ballot initiative in Ohio. Mm. And so they, they, they found the, the way to do it, and that's state by state. They did it in Washington. They did it in Oregon. And now he wants Ohio. Ohio would be his crown jewel. Yeah, I I think what you mentioned too, uh, you know, about House and Senate and what those elections look like. And I I think in light of everything in our social and political climate right now, there's been a a very um, large misunderstanding of the importance of uh, your local and state elections that play along with this. You know, even when we're talking about, uh, and I think we touched on it a bit uh, the last time you were on, when you're talking about the whole defund the police movement. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, you do realize that, you know, if you have a sheriff's department, you you elected the sheriff. You know, if, if you have a, you know, regular city municipal police department, you know, you, you elect the mayor, and, right. you know, the, and however your local structure is set up, you know, in some way, you are, in fact, th- the main hiring force and the the main, uh, you know, force of, of who's in charge of these entities that now you so strongly, you know, have opinions against. And we, and the ultimate cry becomes well, we want somebody from Washington right. to come in and, and set this straight. And it's like, you know, that's that's not how you're set up. Right. You know, that's not how the country is set up. The the local and state governments have certain powers, which I think maybe finally came to light for some people, at least here in Ohio, when they're like, oh, it's the governor that's mm-hmm. saying this about mask mandates right. and all this sort of stuff. It's not, you know, necessarily coming down, uh, coming down from Washington, but. You know, you mentioned the House and Senate piece, but I know one of the big scares right now is the quote that's floating around from Kamala Harris saying, you know, I'm going to give, you know, the the House or the Senate, you know, 100 days. And and if they don't get, you know, gun control and order, we're going to use, you know, executive power and executive order. Right. I mean, is how would that even transpire you know what i mean like what do you think or you know how much of that is flamboyant speech and how much of that is something that could actually applicably take place well you you kind of mentioned the solution at the beginning of your comments our local sheriff and you're right our local sheriff in butler county where we're sitting right now is, is sheriff richard k jones a huge Second Amendment advocate, a huge civil rights advocate. And he he is the break wall because he's elected. He answers to us. Like you said, and people don't realize this. If you have a mayor, you don't, the police chief doesn't answer to you, but he answers to the mayor. And mm-hmm. certainly uh, with people like Rick Jones in place, and he's a huge advocate for, for firearms rights. 
he, he'll be the first to tell you to go out and arm yourself because we can't be there. And so from the beginning, we have to act locally because locally, despite we have this huge mushroom called the federal government, but locally is where everything begins. Our local school districts, our local sheriff's department, our city managers, uh, our county commissioners, the people that control what's going around us, because then that's where our congressmen and senators come from. And, you know, we have to be hopeful that they're going to listen to their constituents, at least know that when they go home, when I come home to Butler County, this isn't going to fly. And right. what do they want more than they, they want to do their job is that they want to keep their job. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important. And that's why this election is so important. We have to talk to our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, and make sure they know the importance of, of, of keeping control of our government. Because never before has socialism been on the front burner as, as an alternative to capitalism and uh, to a representative form of democracy. Right. That controls everything that you and I do, including sitting here exercising our First Amendment rights to speak about these things. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the local piece is so, so huge because it does feed up. I mean, if you are if you are taking time to consider candidates, uh, you know, for legislators, for for the House of Representatives, again, uh, state, local, uh, all the way up to federal. If you are taking, you know, the amount of time you should be and actually worrying about who you're putting in place that helps make these decisions. Again, go back to 12th grade government class, fourth grade state history class. You know, there are branches of government. There is a a uh, what's supposed to be checks and balances mm -hmm. of power, you know, and, and that's where the I think some of the talk that really is kind of heartbreaking to me is just this whole idea of we're going to force the other branches to do what we want or we're going to use, you know, executive power to sway things or what have you. Um, but I mean, what do you think that some of the, you know, assuming if we pretend for a moment that, that Biden and Harris win, you know, what do, what do you think are the possible, you know, first I don't know, quarter of 2021, you know, after, you know, being sworn in, what do you think are the, the kind of the first hot topics that you think could, could be hit by legislation on a federal level? I think federally, probably one of their, one of the tops on the list is uniform uh, background checks or uniform universal background checks. Excuse me. Uh, they want to have control over everybody who's purchasing firearms and then more importantly, who's not purchasing firearms. And the biggest part of a universal background check is mandatory gun registration because it doesn't work without registration. That's what people don't realize. Universal background checks mean universal registration and universal confiscation. Look it up. Look it on the Internet. It happens everywhere. And that's really why they want universal background checks, because they want to know where everything is. Unfortunately, they're everywhere now. But with the universal background checks and they beat that drum every time there's a senseless tragedy from a criminal or an insane individual, they beat the universal background check drum when they admittedly wouldn't have solved any of the problems. But they want that because they want to have the ability to control the commerce of firearms, who's making these firearms and who's purchasing them. Universal background check. Everything's registered. So I can no longer gift a gun to my son or my daughter. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't loan or let my, my son use his great-great-grandfather's Winchester Model 12 to go hunting with because, right. you know what, I have to do a transfer. So it goes much deeper than that. But ultimately, folks, what we have to remember is universal background check is all about control, about who has these firearms, and more importantly, when it's time when we want to get them, uh, we want to know where they are. 
And the anti-gun people used to make fun of us because we never said we want all your guns. Well, now they openly say we want them all. Yeah. Camilla Harris says we want them all. Beto O'Rourke, who's going to be the gun czar, says we want them all. And that's why this election is so important. And that'll, so I think that'll be the first thing because universal background check sounds reasonable, but what they always leave out is registration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when people realize uh, they have a poll that 80% of NRA members are in favor of universal background checks, correct. Until you tell them you have to register your guns and then no, hardly anybody's in favor of it. So right. I think that'll probably be the one of the first things. And then they've done it before and it looks good on uh, in a newspaper assault weapons ban the quote unquote modern modern sporting rifles and that that'll go so far beyond what you and I realize as a modern sporting rifle it's probably going to go to every semi automatic firearm right uh, and, and it's not going to stop there because if they can get it there then they can get them everywhere and they'll start going uh to the usual suspects so, so doing gun buybacks quote unquote and then you know, they always tout the uh, the Australian form of uh, gun control, how they the voluntary gun buyback. There wasn't anything voluntary about it. I'll give you twenty dollars for that. And if you and if you won't take twenty dollars, I'll take your gun. Yeah. And so I think probably that's uh, number two, because we've had the, the short term assault weapons ban, quote unquote. I think that probably number two after universal background checks or maybe they're interchangeable. They'll come after modern sporting rifles. Yeah. And then. uh it's kind of the inside baseball part. They'll go after facts and firearms. They'll go after gun manufacturers because you know what? They can make your life miserable just with some more regulations, just with another another pile of paperwork, just with some more taxes. So I think it'll be a probably a uniform attack everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most certainly they'll go after the low hanging fruit. And that seems to be universal background checks because they can market it that way. And then they can try to get rid of the, the quote unquote evil assault weapons that you right. know, have no definition. Yeah, I think that's one of the harder things, especially when we look at a modern day uh, parallel, which is what happened this year in Canada, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's something that I bring up even when we're having just, you know, inside conversations here, you know, water, cool, water cooler talk at a firearms manufacturer right. is like, what do you think this is going to be like, you know? Um, and, and my, I, I think my biggest, you know, fear for uh, immediate action might be what, uh, you know, what Canada has done just because it's, you know, first world nation. There seems to be so much uh, applauding of Justin Trudeau, even from, you know, from the United States. And, and so like, if you see that and you're like, oh, well, well, they did it, you know, we could do it. And that jacks with everything from, like you were saying, anything considered semi-automatic, mm-hmm. detachable magazines, uh, and then even barrel lengths, you right. know, which, which Canada already had kind of different guidelines for barrel lengths and things than, uh, than the U S did. Um, and now it's just, you know, even more so, and even, even more locked down. And some folks might remember several months ago when that legislation right. really hit, all of a sudden we had some Canadian barrels that we were able to sell on our website uh-huh. that were, you know, odd lengths and right. stuff that you wouldn't normally buy in the States. I know there were other manufacturers, you know, lowers with the maple leaf on them that all of a sudden those were for sale on their website, you know, because they couldn't get them in, couldn't get them into Canada anymore. And the, the Canadian models already there. So it makes sense to go down that road. But the, uh, the real wild card is, uh, is the American Patriot and the American 
individual and American citizen because we haven't been inundated yet in our schools and haven't, our children haven't been reindoctrinated to, to think like Canadians. And so that's really the only thing we're going for. But that's another part of what we need to do. Uh, we don't need to have uh, our education controlled by the federal government. It has to be locally. So you, you look at all the different facets or different pieces of the puzzle that have to come together to make things like that work. But again, if you look at Common Core education, mm -hmm. people think, well, why is somebody talking about gun control, firearms and Common Core education? Because it's what they're not teaching their kids. When, our, when your kids leave the eighth grade and they have no idea what the civil rights amendments are all about mm -hmm. or what the second amendment is all about, then you have a problem. Then it makes the Canadian form of gun control seem to make a lot more sense. Right. I say, well, you know, one of my favorite books, uh, Laura Carno wrote uh, from Colorado. She was part of the, the movement to recall the state centers. The government ruins nearly everything mm -hmm. it was the title of the book. Everything the government puts their hands in, they ruin the airline, the mail, Amtrak. They ruin it. But put them in charge of gun control, put them in charge of firearms, put them in charge alone of civil liberties and, and we're all done. Uh, so we have to act locally. And that's probably the, the one of the wisest things I've ever been asked and, and talked about during a podcast or a radio show is have somebody actually realize that, you know what, we have this big federal monster, the Senate, the House, the executive branch, you know, with the Supreme Court uh, trying to back everybody up. But it all comes down to who is running your backyard. Yeah. And that because that's the final break wall when when the federal government tries to come into the state of Ohio, tries to come into Westchester, tries to come into Cincinnati. Who's there to stop? them? Yeah. Now, I, I will say that because of, you know, research for the show and just other things that are going on when I fall down a YouTube wormhole here mm -hmm. easily, you know, I've, I found myself watching some uh, pre-election interviews uh, uh, with Reagan back, you know, for, mm -hmm. for 1980. So when he was going up against Carter and one of the things that he was asked uh, and I know people all the time, whenever we do quotes on Instagram or whatever, did you know that Reagan was actually a racist and a bigot or whatever? Uh -huh. Just let, let's take that out of the mix for a second. This is just an ideolo ideological piece. You know, he was asked, you know, what if you get a call, uh, you see it on the news, whatever, if you're president, you know, that there's some sort of rioting, you know, in Michigan, in Detroit, you know, let's say, let's say it's, you know, civil protests that have come unwound or however they phrased it. And he goes, well, my, my first thing to do would be to do what the president did for me when I was governor of California and they had all the riots at Berkeley and everything was, do you need help? It was an asking. Mm -hmm. It was an asking, you know, the, this, <clears throat> the, the, the state government in that realm, if the city government can't handle it, then they move they branch right. out farther and then you branch out farther then you branch out farther i think what we've seen with the covid pandemic all of the stuff that has happened since uh, uh since all the george floyd happenings and everything you 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 get this kind of universal call spawned by a medium that we make use of social media mm -hmm. web and digital media is saying you know the president needs to step in right. the federal government needs to come and play mom and dad and and tamper tamper this down it, it is just a a complete disconnect of going back to the basics of how the country is set up you know you you have a a local government uh, with its own executive judicial and and legislative branches that you need to be able to to 
be looking for for these things? And you mentioned the school piece. You know, a lot of it is too. I think when people start talking about this and asking about this and want federal step in, is it? It's because we've gotten so used to the federal government subsidizing other right. things that we do. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is like, oh, well, we're going to lose this federal funding and this federal funding and this federal funding. It's like, well, why have we as a country or any local public entity become so reliant on federal government subsidies to to make our day to day happen? And I always like to say that's the federal carrot. Mm -hmm. That's the carrot the federal government dangles to try to get us to buy into to to what they want to do. And, you know, Ronald Reagan had it right. What can I do? Do you need help? And. Uh, Donald Trump did the same thing. He didn't, if, if Donald Trump was the monster that everybody thinks he is, he would use those riots as a perfect opportunity to overstep his bounds and send the federal government in to take control of things. He did. Right. He asked the states and he asked the cities, do you need our help? Uh, you know, Seattle, no. Minnesota, no. We don't need your help. But there, there are other states that said, yeah, we need some help. Yeah. And so, and it worked. A representative of former government worked at that point in time. There was no overreaching. Uh, you know, so you're absolutely right in, in that point too. That that's where the that's the way the power was meant to be wielded. That's how our, our representative form of government was created. And the reason why, as you said earlier on in, in, in your statement, uh, that the other side, so quote unquote, doesn't like it, is because they don't want to pay play by the rules anymore because it doesn't fit their narrative. So they want to go outside and they want to use quote unquote executive order to get their way because that way it doesn't really matter what the house and the senate has to say Mm -hmm. you know it matters what we have to say but that's how we avoid uh people being king thanks for checking out this bonus episode of the facts and blog and podcast if you're enjoying the show we would love for you to share it with a friend subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and give us a review or rating We love making the show and it's because of fans like you that we're able to keep bringing this and other great content from Facts and Firearms. Don't forget, we'll be back with new episodes each Friday and you can check out our whole backlog of shows at factsandfirearms.com slash blog. Hi and welcome to Facts and Blog and Podcast. 